From pop culture to politics, this is The Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day when Vladimir Putin makes it very clear, says so, he doesn't plan to uh, invade Ukraine. But part of the deal there is he does plan to basically recognize the independence of two little pieces of Ukraine, Donetsk and Luhansk. And uh, then when they are recognized as independent countries, the expectation is they will ask for Russian troops to come marching in. And the Ukrainian army is right there, uh, actually because Donetsk and Luhansk have up till now been part of Ukraine officially. So as often happens in Russian history, it's a bloody mess. It's not bloody yet but it could be very dangerous. We will cover all that. There's also an interesting piece in National Review about the three big uh, myths about uh, Ukraine and about Russia. The mistakes that people make, the uh, misconceptions that they have about the whole situation. We will cover that. We will be speaking with A.B. Stoddard about the uh, ongoing preparations for the election of 2022 where the Democrats are looking worse and worse and they're even they've even coined a term this was a Maureen Dowd over at the New York Times who coined the term Republic Republicopolis it's it's a combination of Republican and apocalypse so uh, yes and it's very hard to say it may be hard to say but it's not hard to imagine given the strength of Republicans on the polls. Oh, how could Republicans ruin all that? Well, one way is by dividing the party before they've even won anything. And the idea of dividing a party having, not inviting to CPAC people like Nikki Haley or Mike Pence, former vice president. And uh, President Trump is gonna be speaking at CPAC, but then there's going to be an alternative to CPAC called uh, Principles First, and uh, which will feature a number of uh, non-Trump, if not anti-Trump, Republicans. Good thing, necessary thing. There's a new poll that is extraordinarily revealing that shows that the overwhelming majority of Americans do not repeat, do not want to see a repeat run of, um, of Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. One thing that is very clear is that if Donald Trump does run again, his running mate is not going to be Mike Pence. Uh, but then what happens to Kamala Harris? Because if if Biden really does run again, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, she is just back from Europe with uh, a lot of enlightenment and uh, she represented our country fecklessly at a security conference in Munich. Where else before a war, another Munich conference? Uh, does she say there is peace for our time? Well, not exactly. And then we are going to be speaking about the issue of affirmative action, a terrific piece by Ruben Navarrete, who says he used to be for affirmative action. As a, a, a Mexican kid, Mexican-American kid, who uh, got into Harvard, and by the way, I'll did very well at Harvard, uh, Ruben uh, has changed his mind 
and he says it's not based upon his personal experience. It's based upon the nation's experience with preferential treatment for ethnic minorities, which he opposes. We'll be speaking with Ruben Navarrete about that. 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. Uh, okay, first, uh, some of the news. There was a, an illuminating exchange today between President Putin and Russia and a top Russian intel official it was uh, translated uh, through an interpreter, of course. And first, the uh, intel chief seems to try to uh, dodge a question about whether or not these two little chunks, and they're little, they're not big chunks of Ukraine, but they're significant. They're part of that uh, Ukraine eastern border uh, region, Donbass, with, uh, with Russia where there's been fighting going on since 2014. And at first he tries to dry, to dodge the question about whether or not um, these are going to be recognized as independent republics, no longer part of Ukraine. And then Putin lets him have it. He doesn't like the fact that he's unsure. and. Uh, then he says the quiet part out loud that Russia should recognize Donetsk and Luhansk in order to make them people's republics and part of the Russian Federation. It sounded like this. And by the way, it's one interpreter doing double duty. So his voice is altered a little bit when he's portraying uh, Vladimir, when he's portraying Putin. Uh, it sounds like this. Listen, five. I would like to agree with what Mr. Potrachev said with his suggestion that we can give our Western partners the last chance to offer them to Forest Kiev to choose the peaceful path and to implement the Minsk agreements. Otherwise, we have to make the decision we are discussing today. What do you mean otherwise? You want us to start the negotiations or you want us to recognize the sovereignty? Just say it directly. I would support the suggestion about recognition. I will support or I am supporting. I am supporting. So yes or no, just say it. Yes, I am supporting the suggestion about making Donetsk and Lugansk people's republics to make them part of the Russian Federation. That's not what we are talking about. That's not what we are discussing. We are talking about recognizing them as independent entities, yes or no. Yes, I support the suggestion about recognizing their independence. Thank you. You can take your seat. Okay. <laughs> um, so at least the uh, Russian government appears to be getting together on the the um, forthcoming recognition of the sovereignty of Donetsk and Lugansk. And what's, what's confusing about this is that in Russian uh, there's no H sound. And that's why they say Hitler uh, is Gitler in, in Russian speech. Uh, so they would say Lugansk. Uh, in any event, these... It is it is unbelievable that this worldwide confrontation has come down to Donetsk and Lugansk. Um, the uh, 
New York Times reports the act of recognition is fraught with meaning because the borders that would be claimed by the Russian-backed leaders of the two breakaway regions extend beyond territory they now control. And the borders that they would be recognizing uh, spill over into space that is controlled by the Ukrainian army. And uh, this, what that means is if the Ukrainian army is controlling a space that is now going to be recognized as an independent uh, republic, and then that independent republic asks for Putin to send in Russian troops to throw the Ukrainian troops out, well, then you've got a war, and who knows where it stops. Uh, and, and meanwhile, there still appears to be conversation about uh, uh, Antony Blinken, our Secretary of State, is getting together with uh, Lavrov, who is the Russian foreign minister, and they may be trying to put together a, uh, a brand new summit conference. Now, would that be a good thing? Who knows where this is going? It, uh, it, it does seem to me that Vladimir Putin, given everything we know about his personality, and his means of leadership enjoys being, I mean, enormously enjoys being the complete center of attention for the whole world. Uh, there's more on this and a shocking brawl on live TV. About what? Michael Medved show Forbes magazine is reporting that, yes, uh, President Vladimir Putin of the Russian Federation plans to recognize pro-Russia rebel states in eastern Ukraine, uh, so uh, said the Kremlin today. That's a move that the U.S. said would break international law and open the door for Russia to launch its new invasion of Ukraine. Putin intends to recognize the eastern Ukrainian separatist states of Donetsk and Lugansk. The Kremlin said today, this according to multiple outlets, and earlier today, uh, Putin concluded a Monday meeting, you heard just part of it, with his Security Council of Russian leaders by saying, I will make a decision today on the two states. Uh, led by Russian-aligned leaders and Russian-backed separatist forces in Ukraine's Donbas region, where at least 14,000 Ukrainians have died in this fighting. So this is a very significant war already. Um, Donetsk and Lukansk both uh, declared independence from Ukraine back in 2014. They don't appear on any maps, however, because most of the territory of those so-called independent states is occupied by Ukrainian troops. Uh, each calling themselves a separate People's Republic. It is the People's Republic of Donetsk and the People's Republic of Lugansk. Last week, the uh, Russian parliament passed a resolution urging President Putin to recognize these rebel states as independent from Ukraine, and Putin's council voted overwhelming support of the self-declared republics Monday. What's so interesting and it's something Americans forget about because it's not covered enough, is that obviously this is a, a complete sham, the idea of the, these councils and uh, the Russian parliament. And 
it, it is all a one-person show. It's it's not real, but they still try to pretend to have the forms of democracy. And one of the things that basically all of the experts that we've had on this show, and we've had a number of them and very distinguished people who know a lot about what's going on in Russia right now, uh, the the idea of a major war over uh, Lugansk and Donetsk is not popular in Russia. But who cares when basically you push a button or you say da or nyet and uh, people are compelled to go with you because it's a one-man show. It's a functional, it's a strongman government as they put it, not quite a dictatorship. But the idea that everybody knows that there's only one official person. And uh, that that person has very strong feelings about Ukraine. And uh, in fact, he expressed them also uh, this morning. This is uh, Vladimir Putin telling, answering the question that's on everyone's mind, what does Ukraine mean to me? Uh, clip 14. Once again, I would like to underscore that Ukraine is not just a neighbor, neighboring country to us. It is an inherent part of our own history, culture, spiritual space. They are our comrades, relatives, not only colleagues, friends, but also our family, people we have blood and family ties with. Since ancient times, people from ancient southwestern Russian lands were called themselves, were calling themselves Russians and Orthodox. I would like to start by saying that the modern Ukraine is completely, was completely created by Russia. To be more exact, by Bolsheviks, Bolshevik communist Russia. This process has started almost immediately after the 1917 revolution. Okay, um, and again, the idea that uh, Russia and Ukraine have always been one, uh, certainly they have shared a great deal of killing back and forth. And uh, all you have to do is go back and look at the Holodomor, the forced starvation that murdered at least three million Ukrainian civilians. I, I mean, it's... It's an astonishing thing, despite all of this closeness. And when he goes back and he's talking literally about what things were like a thousand years ago with the Kievan Rus, the two nationalities do spring from the same roots, but they, there are religious differences. There are differences even within Russian Orthodoxy. There are linguistic differences. And uh, the idea that Ukraine is a member state of the United Nations and deserves to exist, what's fascinating to me is that Putin, who has a, a very exalted view of his own intelligence, that's part of the cult of Putin, is uh, uh, wants to be teaching everybody history and don't you dare disagree with him. He goes on to talk about the historic cooperation with the Ukrainians. Uh, this is clip 13. 
the known problems, Russia has always cooperated and worked with Ukraine in an open and honest manner with respect to its interests. Our ties in all kinds of areas were developing. So, in 2011, the trade turnover was more than $50 billion. And allow me to mention that the trade turnover of Ukraine with all the EU, EU countries in 2019 before the pandemic was smaller than that. And at the same time, it was noticeable that the Ukrainian authorities preferred to act in such a way that to have all the rights and preferences in the relations with Russia, but to carry no obligations at the same time, assuming no obligations. So it wasn't really a partnership. They were just trying to get more from Russia, and sometimes it was it looked unceremoniously. For example, remember the blackmailing in the gas transit, stealing gas even. Okay. Um, again, where where does this go next? Uh, and will they go forward with a, um, a summit conference with Joe Biden? I mean, it's not a good sign when they, a brawl breaks out on Russian TV. Uh, they were having a debate. Uh, actually, it was in Ukraine with a, um, a, a Ukrainian and a pro-Russian Ukrainian politician who um, didn't like the question he was getting from a, a journalist. And so he put him <laughs> in, in a headlock. And um, uh, again, this is, we sometimes have contentious get-togethers in, in American media. Not quite like this. We will play that for you. Also, you don't have to worry about this anymore because Kamala Harris is on the job. Uh, she was asked a very direct question. She came back from Munich where she represented our country and like all insoluble problems, including the border, uh, President Biden just tosses it right to that amazing veep we have. The Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris, will be hearing from her and more coming up on The Medved Show. President's Day to uh, everybody across the country, and I think one of the reasons that we have President's Day, certainly going back to the origins of the holiday, which really began with the celebration of Washington's birthday, which uh, began actually, frankly, shortly after President Washington died in 1799, people started celebrating his birthday. His birthday is actually tomorrow. So why are we have celebrating President's Day today? We will get into that. But given the fact that it is President's Day, we have one more day. Uh, I mean, today, for a very special price, a uh, bundle of Medved history programs on Presidents George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Theodore Roosevelt, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, and Ronald Wilson Reagan. And... Uh, this is normally uh, a cost, and when you order it in CD or you can order it in a download format, uh, 
normally costs $173 for all five of these programs. It's now on sale, President's Day special, $49.99. And we're very thrilled with the response to all of this. It uh, can go along uh, with uh, getting a, a MedHead subscription, which gives you, by the way, free access to other material at the MedVed History Store anytime you want it. But uh, take advantage of this President's Day special, $49.99 for the Presidential Bundle. Uh, and it's a President's Day Bundle, which uh, you can get by going to MedVed History Store. Dot com. That's medvedhistorystore.com. And uh, I mentioned uh, the, uh, the brawl that happened on a live t TV in the midst of a debate between a pro-Russian uh, politician whose name is Nestor Sufrich and a, a Ukrainian journalist named Yuri Bofusov. And I know they're neither one household names, not to me either. And uh, they, uh, they, there's a punch while he's holding uh, Yuri Batsufov. This is the pro-Russian politician, Nestor Sufrich, and punches him in the face uh, and then wrestles him into a headlock. And it all sounded just like this. Before people uh, uh, laugh too much at these primitive attempts. I mean, this is taking place in Ukraine, Kyiv, and uh, they are trying to set up a functioning republic. Uh, they have actual real elections where they have real candidates. And, uh, and by the way, you've got to be impressed by both the courage and determination, I think lucidity, of President Volodymyr uh, Zelenko. Uh, who um, Zelensky, who is uh, uh, the president of Ukraine, former TV comedian. Uh, but uh, we in American history, uh, early in uh, our country's history, in the middle of the John Adams administration, there was a very, very serious fight involving, they used to have uh, fireplaces in the House of Representatives in the wintertime to keep people warm. And... Uh, this involved a, a fire's tongue, a big metal instrument that can kill somebody. And there was a fight between two members of the House, a Federalist and a Republican, Matthew Lyon of Vermont and Fisher Ames of Massachusetts. And they both almost died. They didn't. Uh, but uh, later, Lyons uh, got... Uh, uh, thrown into jail anyway for violating, for criticizing the president. Uh, things were fairly wild and woolly early in our republic. People get the wrong idea because they see the wigs and the um, uh, powdered wigs. Well, George Washington did wear one, and uh, but uh, it was still America and uh, still 
unsettled place. Uh, and by the way, speaking about unsettled place, uh, Americans, I'm sure, are all enormously encouraged with the uh, report by Kamala Harris with her press conference yesterday uh, after her triumphal engagement at the Munich Security Conference. She was asked a crucial question, and uh, here's the answer. This is clip three. Can you explain to Americans what exactly will they face if, well, if this happens? Sure. As the president talked about in his speech, um, we are aware that, again, when America stands for her principles and all of the things that we hold dear, um, it requires sometimes for, for us to put ourselves out there in a way that maybe we will incur some cost. And in this situation, um, that may relate to energy costs, for example. But we are taking very specific and appropriate, I believe, steps to mitigate what that cost might be if it happens. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> Does it make you feel better? She uh, goes on after telling reporters that uh, Putin's already made his decision to invade. Then she says that uh, these American threats of sanctions will absolutely deter him from making the decision to invade that he's already made. So which way does it go? Here is a very confused vice president of the United States, clip 12. But if you believe Putin has made up his mind, what leverage do you really have? Why not put those sanctions in place now? The purpose of the sanctions has always been and continues to be deterrence. But let's also recognize the unique nature of the sanctions that we have outlined. These are some of the greatest sanctions, if not the, the, the strongest, that we've ever issued. As I articulated yesterday, it, it is directed at institutions, in particular financial institutions and individuals, and it will exact absolute harm for the Russian economy and their government. But if Putin has made up his mind, do you feel that this threat that has been looming is really going to deter him? Absolutely. We strongly believe, and, and remember also that the sanctions are a product not only of our perspective as the United States, but a shared perspective among our allies. And the allied relationship is such that we have agreed that the deterrence effect of these sanctions is still a meaningful one, especially because, remember also, we still sincerely hope that there is a diplomatic path out of this moment. Uh -huh. I, look, I do think most people can uh, look at the situation and understand that the situation is terrible because Russia is a terrible regime. And uh, clearly, there wasn't enough preparation for this kind of outbreak. And, uh, and again, it, it seems to me that the reason it's happening now, and that it seems to me to be the one thing to talk about, why right now? This, it's not that the situation in Lugansk and Donetsk has, uh, Donetsk has changed so dramatically. I, I think if the, what's changed is the perception of the United States and the perception of a confused and weak government as illustrated by the withdrawal from uh, the, the actually just fleeing from Afghanistan and for some of the domestic divisions here and the plummeting popularity of the Biden administration. Now, 
with all of that going on, uh, the political ramifications of all of this mean that the, the State of the Union is probably going to be one of those relatively rare states of the Union addresses that has a very significant foreign policy component. It's going to have to because this is such a seriously scary situation. More on that, on divisions in the Republican Party and um, predictions by many Democrats of Democratic doom in November. Coming up on the Medved Show. Many people own coins that have not performed as well as they had hoped they would, but something special, actually two things very special to celebrate this uh, President's Day, and, uh, and that is the uh, addition of two very important affiliates, which we are very proud to welcome to, uh, to our array, our network of uh, radio stations carrying this very show. Uh, most importantly is a fine station in Washington, D.C., uh, area where WWDC uh, HD2 has added the Michael Medved show to its daily lineup. Uh, and with a simulcast on 104.7 AM, uh, this is an HD channel with that simulcast on a uh, tower in the Washington, D.C., Silver Spring, Alexandria, Annandale, Virginia, Maryland markets with a combined population of nearly a million potential listeners. And we are very, very pleased to um, be now available on that station. And also a, a terrific station uh, that's uh, very popular in the uh, Missouri and Arkansas ma markets. It's KLID, 1340 AM. It's added the Medved Show. And uh, uh, we are very pleased to be part of it, especially there with a rebroadcast, aside from the weekday broadcast on Sunday afternoon from uh, three, uh, it's, uh, they play from 2 p.m. Uh, on Sunday afternoons, in any event, and, and more during the week. Uh, and, and thank you, and we, uh, we hope there are some people who are catching us and would like to call in live. Our number here, if not just for people from the D.C. area or from uh, the Arkansas, Missouri area, but anywhere in the country where you're hearing my voice, 1-800-955-1776. Uh, is our phone number. We were playing earlier the um, the the little soundbite, which was fairly amusing. The video's even more astonishing of a brawl that broke out on Ukrainian TV. Uh, Nancy Pelosi also seems to have brawls in mind. I mean, she is um, under major danger of losing her position as Speaker of the House, third in line to the presidency and all of that. Uh, she just needs to lose a total of, well, now she needs to lose six seats because we just lost a Republican congressman. 
uh, Jim Hagedorn of Minnesota, who passed away. Uh, he was suffering from both kidney cancer and COVID. And sorry to see him go. He was a, uh, a well-liked and well-respected member of the House of Representatives. But uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, now needs to lose just six seats in the House. And the average for some uh, presidents, an incumbent president's party in the first uh, midterm election of that president's term, uh, the average loss is 23 seats. So uh, Joe Biden would have to perform way above average in order to keep the seat for Nancy Pelosi. So she's ready to fight. Listen, this is clip seven. My purpose is children. You've heard me say, you got to take a punch for the children, throw a punch for the children. Okay, what kind of language is that? I mean, hey, um, hey, kids. Auntie Nancy wants to take a punch for you. I, what does taking a punch for the children mean? And can you I, what does what does what does throwing a punch for the children mean? Uh, look, even uh, lifelong Democrats are looking out at the world right now and yes it is the world and ukraine is part of it and the economy is very much part of it inflation uh the very bitter and extremely uh, intensifying rapidly intensifying battle about our schools and what we teach our children about our country uh even the former chair of the democratic national committee donna brazil a longtime commentator on uh, CNN gave a devastating assessment of uh, what we're looking at. This was uh, uh, part of a round table about uh, uh, Biden's presidency with Jonathan Carl on ABC this week. Listen to Donna Brazil, clip four. President is just over a week away from his State of the Union address. He faces the very real possibility of going into that speech against the backdrop of a war in Europe, economic anxiety at home, and a clear, decisive majority disapproving or unhappy with his performance as president. How does he turn it around? Well, first of all, tone matters. And I think what the president should do is talk to the American people, just like you and I are sitting here talking. You and I have had, you know, we've broken bread. Talk to the American people. They want to know about the challenges that we're facing. They want to hear what he's doing. I mean, inflation is robbing, up, robbing us of our joy, stealing our hard-earned wages. I can't go to the grocery store without complaining about the price of eggs and bacon. I mean, a pound of bacon is almost $9. Jesus, I mean... That's it for me and bacon. I never thought I would give it up. But the point is, is that he has to talk about COVID. Yeah, we're tired of COVID, but COVID is not tired of us. He has to talk about crime. Okay, and yes, there is a great deal. Another lifelong Democrat, David Axelrod, has a piece where he's giving Biden advice about the State of the Union address. And... Frankly, with the State of the Union address coming up uh, literally just a little bit more than a week from now, uh, yes, that's appropriate.
to Apollo this advice. He, he says, the speech will command the largest television audience the president is likely to enjoy this year. And the temptation will be, as it always is, to herald his achievements and to declare that we have navigated the storm. But Mr. President, writes David Axelrod, former political guru and manager to uh, Barack Obama, but Mr. President, he says, proceed with caution. You talk about the admirable things you and Congress have done to uh, help meet the challenges Americans are facing, for sure. Lay out your goals for the future, absolutely. Other realistic hopes for better days ahead. Offer realistic hopes for better days ahead. We desperately need it. But recognize that we are still in the grips of a national trauma. Polls show that the vast majority of Americans believe we are on the wrong track. And people have little patience for lavish claims of progress that defy their lived experiences. Even if we are objectively in a stronger position than we were a year ago, closer to the end of this ordeal than the beginning, he means the pandemic, Americans are not celebrating. Millions have lost loved ones. Many continue to struggle with the effects of the virus. Kids lost valuable time in the classroom, and parents have struggled to cope. Healthcare workers are in crisis, and we all have felt the profound cost of our relative isolation away from family and friends, offices and colleagues. Unsurprisingly, incidents of suicide, drug overdose deaths, and violence in our homes and on the streets have grown dramatically. Frustrations with masks, mandates, and shifting rules have uh, deepened our political divides. Jobs have come roaring back, yes, raising wages, but these wage increases have been eaten up by inflation, the likes of which we haven't seen in our for four decades. And all the while, the rich have gotten richer. Okay, the, uh, the idea that he's talking about here, a, a number of commentators have said that Axelrod, who's a very smart guy, is basically encouraging President Biden to follow the path of Jimmy Carter and give, in effect, what was a malaise speech, uh, which uh, Jimmy Carter did when his administration was foundering. It was much later in the history of his administration, much later to the time of his actual reelection. But with all of this and with the political parties uh, splintering both of them, um, is is this really what Americans want to hear? What would you want to hear from Joe Biden? I know you'd want to hear I resign or I quit or I turn the election over to President Trump. Uh, no, that's not not likely to be the case. But we will talk about that future and the future of affirmative action, which, of course, Democrats tend to defend. Does it deserve it? We'll get to that with Ruben Navarrete and more in this greatest nation on God's green earth. Throw a punch for the children.